Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025. The game, tons of Titans to get into. Mariota, Tannehill, who knows? But it's not just us, Floyd, who's been getting into this. It's been a major story around the country, not only because anytime a quarterback gets benched, it's a big story, but Jameis Winston had his poor performance, so everybody's lumping the two together right. when they talk about these two quarterbacks. And now a lot of discussion is what happens to Mariota, what do you do in Nashville, who's going to be the quarterback, so on and so forth. So I figured we go around the country and just hear what the people nationally are saying about the Titans, their quarterback, and the quarterback situation. So I start off with Trey Wingo yesterday on NFL primetime, as Trey Wingo basically just bluntly put it, this might be the end for Marcus. Denver goes on to win, and you have to wonder if this is the end of the Marcus Mariota starting era for the Tennessee Titans, because yay verily, as I will show you, it was a rough day. He went 7 of 18 for 63 yards and two picks. His completion percentage of 39% and his 63 passing yards were the second worst marks in his career. It was also the 11th game where he has thrown multiple interceptions. So right there, Trey's sitting there just laying it all out. I wonder what game has been worse. Than this one? Yeah. He said the second worst game of his career. So now maybe the Bronco game a couple years ago when he was 8 of 20 for 80 yards and they won, but the game plan was for him to not throw. Like maybe that would have been like a worse – I don't know. Uh, the Arizona game, in my opinion, is the gold standard for the worst of his career, and this was worse than the Arizona game. Like, this game has supplanted the Arizona game from two years ago of when I think when Marcus is bad, what's it look like? This game is now ahead of the Arizona game. Uh, then, pardon the interruption, Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbon on the Titans. Are you giving up on both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota? Well, this comes up because... These guys were in the same draft. Winston threw five picks yesterday and was just completely dreadful. Mariota was benched in favor of Ryan Tannehill. And this points up to something I've been talking to you about, which is the bizarre head coaching decisions to just do something. And maybe they feel they're the the flame under their fannies and they have to make a move. But Mike Vrabel, I, I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not putting Ryan Tannehill in the game when Marcus Mariota, who's actually won that franchise a playoff game, right. is ambulatory. I'm not doing that. So I'm watching both these games through the red zone as time goes on. The and bad red the zone. five picks. Yeah, the good yeah, red the zone. Bad red zone. So I see the five picks by Winston. And I think I told you this yesterday when we talked. They are beginning to remind me of Heath Schuler. And I know, Trent and I think Dilford. you're overdoing it. And Trent Dilford. Now, Trent Dilford, Dilford won a Super Bowl. I understand, but you wouldn't say that he was a very good quarterback. Yeah, he won you wouldn't a Super say that. Bowl. And these guys were picked one and two, and they seem for every step forward they take, they seem to take a step back. Wouldn't you Best take Mariota as the franchise you watch the most, the Washington football franchise? Wouldn't you trade all three of those guys for Mariota right now? Yeah, you would. So that was pardon the interruption. Now, a couple things to hit on there. Tony Kornheiser says that these two guys remind him of Schuler and Dilfer. Floyd, do you think that Marcus and Jameis remind you of Heath Schuler and Trent Dilfer? Oh, no. No. I mean, to be honest, Schuler couldn't even – he couldn't get the plays out. Now he's congressman. What does that tell you? Yeah. It's <laughs> and we wonder what's wrong. <laughs> now, I'm not going down that path. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like LeBron. He is uh, – no, I don't. I don't believe so. And and Trent ended up, you know, Trent ended up having a career. 
Now he was was Trent ever going to be one of those guys that's going to throw for four hundred yards and five touchdowns? No, he was never going to be that Trent guy. Trent never rode the coattails of that uh, Raven defense to a Super Bowl. Now he did throw a big touchdown to Brandon Stokely in that Trent, Super Bowl. Trent, but if he is, didn't, no one would ever remember. Trent is really, really smart. He knows football. I mean, he is, and I know he's coaching here in town, and I'll bet he's a good coach. Now, mm-hmm. I have no idea how his team's doing. But he knows football, and he can talk to you about football. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I can understand why, why Trent lasted simply because of brain power and leadership and, you know, some of those kinds of things. But he was in the right place. You know, he just wasn't going to have to go out and throw for three touchdowns every week. But that was in if one he could get, year. Yeah, if he could get 14 points, the chances are they're going to win. Meanwhile, Michael Wilbon, you heard there, said no, he's not putting Ryan Tannehill in there. Deion Sanders on the NFL Network maybe goes a little differently. Quarterback situation in Nashville with the Titans. Mariota benched in favor of Ryan Tannehill. Who would you start against the Chargers next week? Wait, what we just talking about, uh, James Winston, and his time is over. Yeah. And you, you want us to stay with Mariota? No, 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 no. That thing is over as well. I would go with Tannehill. Okay. Tannehill. So Dion says, I go with Tannehill. Does not give a reason why uh, he would go with Tannehill. But Deion Sanders says he goes with Tannehill. Well, he said he'd go with Tannehill because he thinks it's Marcus, over. With Mario. Yeah, it's over. And and you know what? I've said before. I mean, the coaches could be saying that, or the GMs, or whoever it is that's. And if they are, then we'll probably have a new quarterback. If they're not, then you know, different. Now, I think Colin Cowherd yesterday, and this is my opinion. Colin Cowherd hit on the single most important aspect that we talk about here that they usually don't talk about nationally, and that is the biggest issue surrounding the Titans team. They came into the year, people thought it was a top 10 offensive line. It has been, they cannot block. Like, they can't block. So is it a coach? Is it a, is it a, I mean, it's, when's the last time Tennessee wasn't boring? On, On a serious question. They are so, I think we're losing ratings talking about it. They're so <laughs> I just, boring. I, so he goes, they can't block. And I know that you tell me the only remedy for this is for them to keep going out there and not blocking. And then maybe one day they'll figure it out and they'll learn how to block. But they cannot block. And I, when you hear Coward say that, like people came into the year thinking the offensive line was fine. And we came into the year thinking the offensive line was fine, except for Floyd who never once felt good about the offensive line of the Tennessee Titans all summer. Uh, Although you did feel good about Saffold, and he sucks. But they can't block. And at least one guy, Cowherd, at least Cowherd's just kind of got, you know, yes. He's like, they can't block. And I 100% agree with that. And I don't know what the answer is. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is, you know, running the same guys out there, and eventually they'll figure it out. Uh, Maybe it is fire the offensive line coach which has been my suggestion, maybe uh, it is at the end of the year, go out and get five new offensive linemen and they'll learn. I don't know. But I don't think the Titans are going to win a lot of games if they can't block better than they've been blocking. And they'll block better. I don't know where you get that from. I'm not telling you again. That the more I'm, they play, I'm the tired, better they get. I'm tired of telling you. So you, so you are convinced. Why, why can't I say the more Mariota plays, Mariota will get better? Because we've seen five years of him. This is five years. 
How much more do you want? All I want is another game. I mean, the kids played two games, and he may be rotten. I'm not passing judgment on that, but I know this. You don't come from, where to go, Charlotte? Yep. You don't come from Charlotte. Where he played tackle. To the NFL and and be everything, have everything copacetic in two games. Does not happen. I don't care who you are. I don't care when you were drafted. I don't care what school you went to. Makes absolutely no difference to me. So how much credence do you put into what the national people have said about Mariota? Nothing. Okay. Now, <laughs> what about a former coach? Who's the coach? Jack Del Rio. Oh, Jack. Whatever. By the way, you know they found the axe? There's a story that Jack Del Rio put an axe in the locker room and the punter cut himself and had to go on IR. It it had a stump. And he was using the old, keep chopping wood, guys. The punter chopped his foot off. And (laughs) had to go on IR. Well, I guess they found the axe in the stump. So ESPN did a story on the axe in the stump. So as they do the story, it said Jack Del Rio declined to comment to ESPN on the story. Jack Del Rio works for ESPN. How could Jack Del Rio decline to comment on a story for ESPN? He works for ESPN. Anywho, this is what Del Rio had to say about the Titans quarterback situation. If uh, Coach Vrabel you know, decided to take him out of a game, that means there, there's a question. They signed Ryan Tannehill for a reason. They brought him in as a quality backup. Uh, somebody that has been a starter in the league. So I, I think the door's been opened. I mean, he, he, you know, he benched him on Sunday. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, obviously it's not gone the way they hoped it would. And they have a backup plan that, um, w- with a guy that has some starting experience. So I would think they'll probably make that move. What do you think about what Del Rio said? He but thinks I, they'll probably make it because if they're going to make the move, then they made the move. Well, yeah, but I, I see all these people. I'm, I'm not sure how many of these people saw the game. And if they saw it like Jack, if Jack saw the game, he he would have taken him out too, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't – Marcus did not leave you any options. And so that's why I think it's easy if you want to go back that way to go back that way. But if you've already got your mind made up, if it's been determined, then, you know, let's bring Daniel on and see what happens. Let's get to your phones next. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Plus, Morning Drive with a uh, with an interesting thought on Vrabel. We'll get to that coming up next as well. 615-737-1025. It's Jared and the GM live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Make your picks now for the three college football underdog teams you think will win this Saturday. Weekly winners will win a pair of tickets to an upcoming national sporting event or concert. Hit up thegamenashville.com or the ESPN The Game Nashville mobile app and play now. Still the underdog picks sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. Marcus has been to a Pro Bowl. He's been to the playoffs before you were hired. Since you've been hired, he's regressed to this point. Why? I guess I'm just not a very good coach, Jared. That was Mike Vrabel yesterday, and I said on the show, I got no problem with Vrabel saying that. Uh, you know, the tongue-in-cheek of the, you know, I'm just not a good coach, Jared. Move it along. You know, I got no problem with that. So apparently morning drive this morning, they had a couple interesting takes on that. First off, again, I like Mike Vrabel. The guy. Like, I think Mike Vrabel is funny. I think Mark Vra- Mike Vrabel is kind of a smartass. I think Mike Vrabel is not... I think, if, like, if you get to know... Vra- Vrabel's a good dude. I like Vrabel. Have you ever... Do you know how when people 
will talk to people, and you know this guy lies to you all the time. And when he starts off, he always has to say things like, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm telling you the truth now. I'm telling you the truth. Listen to this. And then they proceed. Well, they do that because they're continue with how much you like him. Ian, do you think I like Mike Vrabel? <laughs> the guy. Uh, sure. Do, I, don't know, I don't know how much we know about the guy. Like, I don't know anything about him. It's I like hard. him. Okay. I like him. I, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've gotten to know him well. I've gotten to know him well enough. And I like him. Uh, but I definitely, I mean, it's my job to critique his coaching. That is Sports Talk Radio. Uh, anywho, and he needs to coach better. And I won't, you know, I will not hide from that. Now. I didn't think anything of what he said. Didn't bother me one way or another. A bunch of people tweeted me yesterday being like, oh, you asked a moronic question yesterday. And a lot of people tweeted me like, yeah, way to go. Ask the hard questions. And I, I again, don't feel one way or another. Apparently, Nick Kale took some offense to Vrabel's answer. This is what Nick Kale said on Morning Drive. Vrabel is completely out of line there with that response. To me, Vrabel is showing a level of looking down upon the media, looking down upon the fan, it, 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 I get the sense he's got this Patriots arrogance to him. Like, Dimes, you always say, when you have skins on the wall, uh-huh. you can get away with more. Like, Mike Vrabel's got three skins on the wall as a player. Mm-hmm. He don't have a damn thing as a head coach. And I just think that answer, when you are struggling, whether you like the question the way it was worded or not, you need to take the darts that are being thrown at you. Do you have any – I don't have any problem with what Vrabel said. The way Nick does, saying that he's looking down at the media, looking down at the fan. I don't sense any of that from Vrabel, and I'm the guy who he said it to. Well, I mean, if you ask questions like that, I think you're going to get responses like that. I mean, I think it's a fair Especially, question. So uh, I'm not saying – I'm not evaluating the question or the response, but that response match, matched the question in my mind. You know, so uh, – and again, you know, that's one of those – you know, I just I'm I'm going to give you an answer just so I can move along, kind of thing. You know, so, but I mean, I think that's you know, I don't take any offense to it. Like when I heard that Nick and I, I appreciate Nick, I guess having my back. To me, I didn't feel that way. Now, D Mace brought up an interesting theory that the real reason why Vrabel said that is to cover up maybe. An inconvenient truth. This is what D. May said uh, on Morning Drive in response to that. We said, you know, Marcus is, we got to get Marcus weapons. We got to get an offensive line in front of him. We get him some weapons. He'll be a lot better. Um, well, that's what they did. They went out and they invested. Now, we can debate on whether those investments were the right investments, but mm. they went out and they mm. invested in offensive line. They invested in wide receiver. They invest, invested in running back tight end. They did everything they could possibly do as a GM and a head coach to put this quarterback in the right position to succeed as far as personnel-wise. I'm just saying, right now, and he's looking like, what more can we do? We asked him to work on his footwork and his his base and everything, and he – this is what he did, and this is the story coming back a few years ago. We've done everything we could possibly do to make this guy a better player, and he's just not getting better. He's regressing, so to speak. So, I don't – Maybe I'm not a good coach. Maybe we're not coach. Maybe we're not good coaches because yeah, he doesn't <laughs> want to say, "Damn, Marcus just he's just not that good." And I think D Mace is right 
the fact that if, if Rabel says he doesn't know why, or if Rabel says he's just not that good, it a thousand times becomes a bigger story than for him to make, you know, the I guess I'm just not a good coach, Jared, moving along answer. And it makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think what D. Mace is probably right. You know, I mean, he's they've they've tried. I mean, it's not like they've just thrown up their hands and said, I, I, I got no clue. And when you hear D. Mace say that, you think about everything that they've done for him. And, and, I mean, it made sense. Let's get him a new offensive coordinator. Let's get him the dude from the Rams. Makes sense to me. Then it's, hey, we got to get him a new coordinator. Let's get him a guy who, you know, knows the terminology, knows the offense, so we don't have to change everything up on him. Sounds good to me. Hey, the two guards can't block. Let's get him some new guards. Let's go pay a premium to go bring in a new guard. Makes sense to me. Now, the right guard thing, you really harped on, so we really harped on that, and that was kind of a mistake. But, hey, let's go get a playmaking wide receiver to go with the other receivers we have and a slot receiver. Made sense to me. Like, it all made sense. They did it all, and they can't get a first down. So, I mean, it does... The other interpretation of the why is he regressed, Mike, and that would be, I don't know. We've given him everything, and he sucks. That is where I think Vrabel wants to avoid. Well, of course. But I think if, in fact, he is there, that is his mindset, then, you know, Tannehill will be, Tannehill the, in, Tannehill be yeah. the quarterback. Let's go to your phones. Back to him. Mike has been waiting patiently and is up next here on Jared and the GM. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. So, uh, Jared, I think you might be able to help me out with this. So, uh, I have a couple friends who have been uh, crapping on the national media coverage about the Titans, specifically the in-game coverage, saying that they're being biased towards one side or the other, or they've been smacking, like, you know, smashing the Titans. But I'm in the belief, because I went to school for this myself, that if you have a crappy product on the field and you're feeding us nothing to see but terrible things to watch, how can a broadcaster not... Fans always hate the national broadcast. Thank you for the call, Mike. Fans always hate the national broadcast. Fans are always like, it's like somebody said, these tweeted me last week and was like, man, they're just pumping up the bills today on the, on the Titans game. And I'm like, what have the Titans done for them to pump the Titans up? I mean, what, what have they done to pump the Titans up? I mean, everybody, whenever your team loses, they always hate the national announcers. And I find myself doing that. I watch it, I'm watching the Braves, and I knew the Braves were going to choke it away, and they did. I'm watching TBS. I can't stand the TBS baseball broadcast. They just, there's so many times I'm watching a game, and you're so emotionally wrapped up in the game, and then Ron Darling says something kind of stupid, and you're like, shut up, Ron! You know, because you're watching the TV, you're yelling at the TV. That is always going to happen in sports, so don't think it any different of the Titans than of any of the other teams. Plus, like Adam Archuleto and Spiro Ditas call the Titans so much that they might as well be the hometown broadcasters. We do get them a lot. I wonder if we're getting them this week. I don't know. I, I usually look at that first thing. I was too wrapped around in the Titans getting the guy who's, you know, five years ago had his five minutes of fame to sing the anthem that I'm, I've I'm always us. astonished how I can watch every game. No more than the down, broadcasters. Write down every play, plus, minus, in between, whatever it may be, and not hear a word that a broadcaster says. Not hear a, not hear a comparison, not hear analysis, not hear criticism, not hear... I mean, when it's all said and done, I, I don't even hear them, which is... I guess bad. 
Probably. Maybe need to get your hearing checked out. AJ is up next. What's up, AJ? Hey, what's going on, guys? Go. Uh, First of all, I'm pretty uh, bummed out that we didn't see Parky on Sunday. I thought we might get to see a glimpse of him. But uh, second of all, you know, we haven't seen – we haven't won since Taylor Lewan has been back on the field. Um, Instead of maybe benching Mariota and putting Tannehill in, why don't we bench some of the offensive line? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Floyd. Yeah, there's just, I mean, who are you going to replace him with? That's the problem. You know, you just don't have, you care. I think last week we carried seven offensive linemen, which means you had a backup tackle and a backup center guard. You got one guy. So even even if you at most replace two of them, I mean, now you you don't have any backups left. So, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like it's easy to do, but the bottom line is, and my, my rule always haunts me about this, which, you know what? I'm all for replacing guys. If you don't like a guy and you're a coach or GM or whatever it is and you want to play, that's fine. But get me somebody better. Don't replace them just to be replacing. This is not – we're not fans. You know, this is not we're going to play the backup quarterback just because I've never seen him play. Well, that's a lame reason. Well, that's what the fans ask. Yeah, yeah, I'm going, what the heck are we doing? Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, you know, if you got somebody better, I'm all for it. But if they had somebody better, they'd be playing. More of your phone, 615-737-1025, 615-737-1025. Plus, what Kevin Byard had to say in the locker room about Mariota. We'll get to that coming up. It's Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025, the game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. You said culture doesn't matter when you're winning, but it is important when you're struggling. How important is it for you right now to bank on this culture that you think that you guys have to kind of turn things around and get on? I think that's the only thing that you can rely on. You know, you you can't rely on, you know, the, the, the pep talks and, hey, let's go, come on. You have to rely on the leaders of this football team. I have to show them the direction. Uh, we, we have really good leadership. And, again, it will be defined now um, in the situation that we're in. That was Rabel yesterday. I know you had a 1-4 team that ended up going 11-5 and five into the AFC title game. Now, this team's not as good as that team. But how important was the leadership on that team, like Rabel was talking about culture right there, to pull yourselves out of 1-4? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's paramount because it's not – I mean, everybody can do it, but it's so hard. I mean, that you if you don't have the right people working at it, there are just going to be too many guys who just give up. You know, it's like 99% of life. I mean, those that are really successful are the guys that can fight through it, and those that fall by the wayside, you know, it's it's because they can't keep up for whatever reason. Mental, physical, emotional, whatever, commitment, whatever it may be. But there's always a reason. And those that can, you know, surpass all that and get to it, then, you know, they give you a chance. So I feel like there are two guys that are kind of the local media, three guys that are the local media's go-to when it comes to the Titans. And it's Taylor Lewan, Delaney Walker, and Kevin Byard. Now, those are three established veteran Pro Bowl guys. And in the case of Lewan and Byard, two incredibly handsomely paid guys. You know, and, and you've always brought up, if you're a good player and you're making money, you're going to have clout in your locker room, right. no matter what. So Kevin Byard yesterday, and I was standing right there, Kevin Byard got up in front of every camera, and Kevin Byard answered every question. And Byard brought up, 
or was asked about a lot of different topics, but Bayard saying, hey, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We're not even at the halfway point. We're two and four. It's not the spot we wanted to be in, but I can kind of point to a team last year that went one and five and ended up winning like 10 games straight. So it's not like it's, it's not possible to happen. It's not like, you know, we're always talking about next year, rebuilding, things like that. No, this is still a long season. We have to keep doing what we're doing. We're not going to sit here, like I said, and point fingers. Coaches make a decision on the quarterback, things like that. But from my perspective and our defensive perspective, we have to keep building on what we've been doing in the offseason, what we've been doing this season, and just try to keep fighting, man. That's bottom line. We can't come in here with our heads down and things like that. That's not going to help anything. We have to come in here and just keep fighting, keep fighting. And we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll just see what happens this week. I mean, honestly, it's not even really about the Chargers. It's about the Titans. It's about what we can do to get better. And uh, that's all we're going to do at this point. Then Byard follows that up by saying, was, Byard was asked about if this is the right group of guys in the locker room in order to fix something like this. Do you have the culture to weather this storm? For sure. I think we have the right guys in this locker room. Like I said, it might not be things that might not be looking good in the win column right now, but we have a lot of great guys in this locker room, a lot of leaders uh, in, in every single room. So, like I said, when, when things aren't going good, that's what you find out about the culture. So we'll definitely find out about that real soon. And finally, he was asked about the quarterback who's been here for as long, actually longer than he has. Yeah, I mean, this, this whole situation is tough. When you're not winning ball games, these type of things happen. But if it's quarterback decisions, coach decisions, things like that, uh, number eight has had this entire team, especially my support since he, since I've been here and since he's been here. Uh, we love that guy to death, and we're going to always support him no matter what. Um, but this is a coach's decision. You know, the coach is always going to make decisions that's best for the team. And uh, whatever he does and whatever his decision is, we're going to support him. Uh, we support 17 as well since, since he's been here as well. So it is what it is. At the end of the day, on our side of the ball, it doesn't affect us at all. We just have to keep playing football. Floyd, how important is what you heard out of Kevin Byard? Well, I mean, I think it's important. I think he's right on with a bunch of it. Um, and so he's, I mean, he's. I think he's universally seen as a leader. And I think when you hear him talking about it, I mean, you can always tell the guys that are just talking to be talking and the guys that really have a little passion. He's got a little passion in his voice. I mean, he's he's serious about this. When he's saying these things, he means it. And so that helps you, you know, it helps everybody believe a little bit more. Well, like I, when I walked in the locker room yesterday, everybody was around Corey Davis. And Corey Davis was talking, and you can barely even hear Corey Davis when he talks. But Corey Davis was talking, and it, it, he was talking about Mariota, and he was talking about it. He was saying, but like, who cares what Corey Davis says? You know? Like, honestly, who really cares what Corey Davis says right now? But with Bayard and Lawan especially, there's something about those two guys that when they say something, I think it always draws some kind of a reaction. I feel like Bayard has got to be the leader of the team right now. Not just the leader of the defense. He's got to be the leader of the team for, for really three reasons. Number one, the defense is playing great. And he is the main guy on that defense. Number two, he's paid a lot of money. And as you've said, there's a lot of clout there when you're paid a lot of money and when you're a good player. And three, he's playing great this year. Bayard is having another great season. He just keeps getting better. So as much as, like, Steve McNair and Eddie George, I don't know this for a fact, but even though they were offensive players, didn't they lead your whole team? Bruce Matthews, didn't he lead your whole team? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the quarterback, of course, it, it's easy for him to lead the whole team. Well, he's on the bench, though. Yeah, so, you know, if you're excluding the quarterback from, from that, then, you know, whoever they think, if it's if it's Bayard, I mean, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. I think it's got to be Bayard because it can't be Lawan. He got suspended, and he stinks right now. I mean, uh Vrabel was asked about offensive leaders last week, and he said Ben Jones, Deion Lewis, and Delaney Walker. Yeah, Kevin Byard's got to become the official leader of the team, which Brian Arakpo did a good job of two years ago before he you know, got slow. Brian Arakpo did a good job of that. And I wonder if they're missing that Brian Arakpo type player in their locker room right now. But Byard's got to be it because he says all the right things. He's got the right mindset. I think everybody in there respects him, and he's a darn good player. So Bayard's got to be that guy right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he can't can be lead one. the secondary, can't lead the defense. He's got to lead the team. I think uh, I think Walker has a chance to be that guy. Um, you know, he's he you hear he he seems to speak from his heart and. And obviously, it's important to him. I was going to say, sometimes he speaks um, a little too much truth, though, to be the leader of the team, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but, you know, Delaney say what he want to say. And I'm cool with that, but... So, I mean, I, I think there are some some options now, whether or not they can do it. And, whether, and it's not, you know, uh, being a leader is not, hey, I, I, I want to be a leader today. And you always have that guy in the locker room somewhere. Who thinks that he he has the team's ear and that he in fact wants to be a leader? When in fact, I mean, he's you know they're kind of chuckling, and so you you worry about whoever those guys are. Yeah, and I don't I can't see that being I can't see that being Kevin Byard. I mean, I think oh, Byard's no, always been this so, way, yeah. and I don't think any of the guys we're talking about no fit I, that. Byard's got to be the leader of the team. The St. Louis, when you say who's the captain of the Titans, you guess Kevin Byard. And so I, I hope that he takes that next step. Let's go back to your phones. Uh, Rustin is up next here on the Titans. What's up, Rustin? Yeah, how's it going, guys? Good, go ahead. So, so I don't think uh, Mariota is going to be the franchise quarterback that's going on. And uh, I don't think Tannehill is going to be either. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him trade off Mariota early in the season since it's his last year. To get something out of them, and then let Tannehill finish out the year. We can go out mediocre, but then we can get some draft picks and just get some linemen in, and then the year after. Rustin, I appreciate your call. I I can't imagine one per. I can't imagine them giving you anything for Mariota. Like I cannot imagine any team giving you anything right now for Mariota. He's got no contract. He's got no confidence. He's got you know just played the worst game of his career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and he tough. has to come in and learn a new playbook. You know, if Rodgers were to go down, and their options are Tim Boyle or making a trade for Mariota, who knows what Lafleur wants to do? Maybe you can trade him to Green Bay for a fourth, but that you know, at that point, Green Bay season's probably over anyways. John is up next. What's up, John? Hey, uh, two quick questions for the GM. One. Uh, even if the Titans have decided on quarterback for Sunday, uh, wouldn't it be advantageous for them to not release that just so the Chargers don't know, or do you think that's a, a, an overrated uh, advantage? You know, I, I think it can be an advantage. I think it depends largely on, 
you know, our guys are so similar. I'm not sure it would be a great advantage. And the offense is going to stay pretty much the same, so I'm not sure that's a big deal. But if you have a legit, you know, you've got to start it. You've got, uh, you know, Brett Favre and and some rookie backup, then, yeah, it's, you know, that can really help you. If you can keep it quiet, that's awful tough to do now with the press coming to practice. But Well, the press doesn't. Be. But, I mean, they don't get to watch practice. No, but they come to practice. I mean, you're going to see if the quarterback's out there moving around or throwing or whatever he is he's doing. No, you get to watch like the individual. You get to watch the. I mean, I don't know. I don't even go to practice. I think you get to watch him stretch, yeah. and I think and you then, get to watch him like throw the ball a couple times. Yeah, individual stuff. So, I mean, that's you're going to see if the quarterback's out there suited up and moving around versus not being out at all. I know, but both quarterbacks will be out there. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about if you had a Favre and a, and a somebody else, and Brett, you know, is supposedly hurt. Oh. Is he going to be then, you know, if he's out there and he's going through practice, then it's not, you know, it's not going to help you. I may have tuned out, to be honest with you. I would say he did. Caught the very back end of that. <laughs> Coming up, Titans breather. We'll take a quick Titans breather. The end of the Monday night football game last night. What a disgrace. We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM. Third down and 10 for Rodgers. Running out options and then going down. And a flag comes down at the end there. That was Kevin Strong, the rookie out of UTSA, who was able to come down on Rodgers, but the flag came down with it. Illegal use of hands, hands to the face, defense, number 90. Five-yard penalty from the previous spot. First down, Green Bay. That's a first down for Green Bay. They were just saved. Let's take a look at number 90, Trey Flowers, and watch where he puts his hands and see if he gets him to the face there. Right now, he's on the shoulder pad. He's still on the shoulder pad. I'm trying to figure, when does he actually put hands to the face there? I got a, I got a shoulder pad, John Perry. Book, you're right. I think we get fooled there based on where the hand is on the upper part of the chest rather than the neck or the mask. Here's third and four with Rodgers. Calmly retreating, looking for something. Flag is down as he throws to the end zone, incomplete. Illegal use of hands, hands to the face, defense. Number 90. Five yard penalty from the previous spot. First down, Green Bay. Let's take a look at number 90, Trey Flowers, and see if this is indeed illegal hands to the face. Let me see it from that angle. It's going to come late. Here it comes. Towards there it is. Coming there. But again where that's well, on the left shoulder once yeah, again uh, on the left shoulder is Bakhtiari selling that by arching back his but, head but again that is a terrible call that's twice on Trey Flowers in crucial situations that the refs have blown the call just a disgrace last night on Monday Night Football disgraceful I think Cleet Blakeman's crew should be kicked out of the playoffs no playoffs because you were so bad with those calls last night on Monday Night Football. The hands to the face, basically giving the Packers the ball game last night. And I know if you're a Packers homer like Braden, you'll say, well, Detroit would have had to go down the field and kick a field goal with a minute and a half left and one timeout. And, you know, who's to say they would have done that? So uh, disgraceful last night by the officials disgraceful I I saw uh, somebody came out yesterday and said it was at the level of the Rams and Saints bad last night now 
I'm not sure it was that bad, but it was disgraceful. Floyd, what do we make of the officiating as a whole, and what do we make of the officiating last night that just chopped Detroit's legs out from under them? I mean, it's uh, it's just continuing where it's been. I mean, it's getting more and more extensive and more and more wrong. I mean, it's the calls are too fast. The the things that are happening now and the things that we see as fans are so minute that it's really, really hard for these guys to be right all the time. In fact, it's impossible. But if you had full-time officials, if you were looking at this on a weekly basis, if you understood the different players in the league, it would help you officiate these things. And and I don't think we're even contemplating it. So I don't know. I mean, it's I, I get... I get uh, there was a tremendous pass interference penalty last night. Oh, brutal! Just a brutal call. That one was as bad as the one in in New Orleans. I mean, he necktied him. But I mean, until we're willing to do something about it, it's going to continue. In fact, it'll probably even get worse. Well, I mean, it's it's an epidemic. How bad it is, and you know these former refs, and I think this has hurt the league too. By the way is the fact that every TV channel wants a former ref on there. So they go to Terry McCauley, and they go to Gene Steratore, and they go to John Perry, and they go to these veteran-respected refs, and they offer them a bunch of money to not ref games, but to sit there and watch them on TV and criticize the refs. And they're like, yeah, I'll take the free money and not have to deal with not being able to drink and not being able to gamble and not being able to do anything I want to do and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Sterator's got it made. And so, but you lose like five refs at one time. So now you're replacing them. I heard Mike Keith say he was talking about these refs that, that did the game uh, on Sunday. And he was like, they're number one in the league on defensive holding. And they must have called six defensive holdings in the Titans games. These refs are as predictable as some of the players playing the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you coaches nowadays have a scouting report on the refs. And I did they, love. And they, before the game, will tell you, hey, offensive lineman now, if you get your hands up or if you get your hands on the outside or if you, you're going to get a holding. And and they'll go through and and prepare their team. Now I'm not sure how much. I think Vrabel does a good job of this, and generally speaking, it's worked. You know, we've been good in penalties. Um, now it wasn't that way last week, but but generally speaking, it's it's been good. So it's it's a process. But the, my my point is, I mean, you've got a multi multi billion dollar business that is de- that is being. Um, evaluated, graded, uh, judged by part-time employees. Mm-hmm. Part-time employees. I mean, they pay these guys. I mean, they pay them great money for for the average guy. But when you think of the business and you think what everybody in the business is making, and you're saying, okay, if you're a ref and you're a beginner, you know, you're going to make a hundred grand. Great. When do I have to work? Well, you got to work Saturday and Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two days of work. I, I can do that. Um, so, I mean, they they have got to do something. And and I'm, I'm going to tell you what now. I think they, as each one of these gurus from the officiating department leaves and goes to TV, 
The next guy in line is every time worse. Oh, it's you God, get yes. the generate. It's like the next generation oh, is it, less prepared than the three guys that just left. Oh, Hockley's son compared to Hockley, not even close. That Hockley's son's crew is horrible. Yeah. The Titans had them for the Jags game. Hockley's son is awful. He's awful. And the, so the guys that are left are the guys who are already bad. Jerome Boger, Ron Torbert. Uh, uh, I mean, there's one good ref in the league, and the Titans have him this Sunday. Bill Vinovich is the one good ref left. I used to think Cle- Cleet Blakeman was a good ref, the guy last night. Do you remember the pa- the roughing the passer he called in the AFC title game? Where the guy, did, it was like uh, hands to the face on Brady or helmet. Like they hit Brady. Then they show the replay. The guy gets Brady on the shoulder pads. Like, oh my God. It was a game-changing roughing the passer. And Cleet Blakeman called it. And so I used to think he was good. He's no good. The only good ref is Bill Vinovich. And he does like every Sunday night football game. And for some reason he's doing the Titans this week. I don't even know why. But it, it's amazing, to your point, that the new refs, compared to the Terry McCauley's and, you know, the Sterators and those guys, are a hundred times they're, worse. And they're replacing, they're getting to the point now where they're replacing, you know, five, eight, ten guys a year. Because the guys are getting out or going to something else or doing, you know, get rejected or whatever the case may be. Well, each time you bring in one of those new guys, here's a guy, it's a rookie. And we know how rookies in the NFL do. And you know, I, so. I don't have the patience to like sit down with a notebook and check things off all throughout. I think the SEC refs might be better than the NFL refs. I oh, mean, I, how many times do we sit here and go bananas over something like this in the SEC? It happens, but not like we're doing this year and last year about the NFL. And the other thing that, that gets up my keister right now about the NFL officiating is if you're going to review pass interference – you got to overturn it when it's obvious pass no, interference. They ain't going to do it now. Then what's the point That's, of having yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. Just to make sure the same thing is to the fans. It is such a middle. It's like we are so pompous that we are not going to overturn the calls, that we are just placating to you and saying we'll try to do better, and then we're going to go out of our way to not do better. It is so. Embarrassing. It's got to be. It's got to be so obvious and so one-sided that they just literally have no choice. Then you'll get it. But the problem is, on every one of these pass plays, you're going to get pushing and shoving by both guys and a grabbing and a jersey here and a jersey there. And a, and when it's all said and done, it's almost who mugged who better or, le- or less. And that's, you know, where it should, but as soon as they see it on both sides, you got no chance winning. Although they had one in the Thursday night game where the, where the Patriot guy took down the giant guy and they reviewed it and they, you know, came back and said no change. And it was clearly a pass interference. I mean, and so it literally, to your point was when it's just beyond obvious, this was beyond obvious and they still didn't change it. I'll tell you what they, I mean, Riveron is just terrible. And they need to get Dean Blandino, who was bad, but not as bad as this guy. They got to pay him more money to get him back to the league. Because Riveron is awful. And the, these officials are horrible. And so last do we night, think the officials are actually just worse or that we're just seeing more nowadays with the technology This goes back to my stuff. SEC thing. They yeah, have the same amount of cameras for a CBS SEC game, and we don't complain just this much. Just because we're— it's, it's all the above. 
I think. I think things are happening faster. Things are happening big guys. And you've got guys that are, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old that are trying to run, trying to keep up with a, <laughs> with a 24-year-old sprinter. You know, I mean, he pulls every fat he's got. <laughs> so, I mean, it's uh, just I hate not old basketball fair. refs. Yeah, how do we put a 75-year-old fat basketball ref out there yeah. when these 6'8 guys are 22 years old jumping out of the gym and we're going to have this fat guy running up and down the court in basketball? I've never understood that. Yeah, Like, it's, at least in soccer, if you want to be like a FIFA ref, you have to run and they have something in your shoe, which nowadays your phone or anything can tell you how far you're going. But they would have a, a geo thing in your shoe that would say, okay, you have to run nine miles per game, you ref. Like, as you're refing, you have to run nine miles or else FIFA just fires you. I appreciate that. Uh, but, again, the officiating last night, that was embarrassing. And, and uh, it changes. If Detroit wins, Detroit is 3-1-1, first place. Because they lost, they're 2-2-1, two, two last place. So that's how big these hands-to-the-face calls were last night that Trey Flowers didn't even come near the guy's face. That, that division's pretty tough. Good they got everybody in there winning. That, it's the opposite of the a, of the AFC North. 615-737-1025 is the phone number coming up next. The Titans. By the way, the Titans have just, I'm not going to say released something, but what the Titans have done, very ominous. We'll get to that coming up next. Plus, if they pick Tannehill and he starts on Sunday, what does the long term, not just the immediate future, What does the long-term future hold? We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025 The Game.